Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Ladies, thank you again for joining us during this podcast series that is specific to October. Just a a reminder that in October, nationally in the United States, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And in Wall Partners Rally to end domestic violence through education and awareness as a ministry to women, um, we cannot deny the effects and existence um, of domestic violence violence on many of the women that that we um, serve alongside and minister to. And so in this episode and the other episodes that are part of the series, we want to use our voice as part of the body of Christ to foster freedom, healing, help, and wholeness to women either caught in in an abusive situation, women or children, or recovering from one. And before I introduce this guest, I do just want to simply define domestic violence for context. Uh, Traditionally, you may think of that only as being between partners, but in in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it's actually defined as the inflicting of injury from one family member to another. And that takes on many forms. We are going to uh, be hearing from a dear friend of mine in just a second who shares um, about the harm that she incurred um, at the hands of, of a, a relative. And, and we'll hear the hope side of her, of her story as well. But um, at this time, I would love to introduce you to a friend, a mentor, co-laborer in Christ, and board member and ministry team member of Entourage Ministries, Janelle Martin. Um, I could say a lot about Janelle in addition to what I've already said. She is an ordained minister and graduate of Karis Bible College, but she would probably more quickly identify herself as being a wife, a mother, and a teacher at heart. And um, you can find her serving in a variety of ways, oftentimes uh, with with women one-on-one at a little round table that overlooks their their horse ranch or serving her her family enthusiastically um, in in the small and large tasks that each day brings. So with that said, I hope that you will open your heart and open your ears to listen to what Janelle says and as Ephesians says that that the eyes of your your heart may be enlightened um, through the truth that she's going to be sharing about her life and, and what the Lord has brought her into and and then if you need some logistical information on resources available to you or to others who may find themselves in a an abusive situation currently or need uh, need resource in the aftermath of that at the end of this recording uh, we will provide uh, that that information so without further ado my sister in Christ Miss Janelle Martin thank you Paige um I want to kind of set this up with um I, we will be talking about Janelle at age 11 that is the place we're going in my life and at the first of this year that were the incident happened Um, my father had chosen to leave my mom and 
and us children. And so that was kind of where life was when this happened. And so um, that'll have context later on in this story, but I wanted to share that up front. And so um, because of dad leaving, I had a friend that I just cherished spending time with her. Her home was a happy home and it was full of family. So I always enjoyed going there. So on this day that I'm going to discuss, I really wanted to go um, to Ann's house. And as most children do, I was driving mom crazy, begging and pleading and griping at her to take me. And so she was working in the kitchen and finishing up. Um, she reminded me in conversation of pecan pie for the night's meal. And there was mail that needed to go up to my grandfather in house and he lived just maybe an eighth of a mile from us we could see their house and they could see ours very clearly from from each porch so um and we had done that my brother and I had taken things up there many many times and so there was no reason to think that this day would be any different but it was so my grandfather met me at the door and said that his wife, my step-grandmother, was asleep, so we needed to be quiet. At that point, he closed the door, and we were out on the front porch when he proceeded to do what he wanted to do to me. That was inappropriate. Um, at some point in time, and I can't remember now if, if it was from him or from me, but the comment was made, that we needed to move off of the porch and go to the back uh, of their house where there had been a small building. And we agreed, and it was at that point that I finally got free of him enough that um, I could run. And so I did. At that point, I ran. As, as I started running toward my house, about halfway to my home, I remember thinking, what just happened? And did that really happen? It was almost like I was dreaming, but I wasn't. I was fully awake, and it was uh, not a pleasant thing. I remember turning around at that halfway point to just check and see for myself, and my grandfather was in the back where I had told him I would meet him, and he was half-dressed at that point waiting on me so that I just ran faster toward home. And I convinced my mom to take me on to my friend's house. I don't remember exactly what I told her, when I told her, or how I told my mom. But I do remember on the way to Ann's house, mom stopped the car. My little brother was in the car with us, so mom asked me to get out and she asked me a lot of questions about what happened, and I retold her the account of the events with more details than what I'm sharing with you guys because I feel like you get the gist of what happened with my generalization. While I was at my friend's house, my mom went confronting my grandfather. Of course, he denied it, but mom defended me, and so I was very blessed. Um, to have that instant support and that she she doesn't hesitate to believe me. She contacted my dad, and he chose to not be a part 
of of any of it, and it was never discussed between he and I, um, to my knowledge and memory. The same night that everything happened, uh, I remember my uncles and their wives and mom sat at our kitchen table and discussed a plan of action. My uncle went and told my grandfather that he had to leave, so the next day or so he was removed from the property and he never returned. So in my story, I was fortunate that I not only had mom that heard me and believed me, but I had uncles that stepped in and did as much as they could physically to provide a safe environment so that I wouldn't be afraid of that happening again, and that was removed. Of course, the thoughts of it was my fault fault plagued me for years. Um, There was a loss of identity a distortion of purpose were issues that started, I think, from that point on. Um, Anger um, became rooted in me, and I started um, self-protecting at that point. So now I would just like to share with you my steps of healing. Everyone's journey is going to be different because even though the invasion is the same, everything around it and your internal processing will be different. So I just want to share mine, and I'm believing that one day I will get to hear your healing steps as a testimony from sharing this today. So the first thing was, like I've already told, is I had my mom. She trusted me. And my encouragement to you is to tell a trusted person, whether that is someone within your family. If you are in a school setting, oftentimes there's a counselor, the principal, a teacher. If that's not your story, if you're grown and an adult and you attend a church or you know of of a safe pastor or a safe church, those are just some things from someone that's been there those would have been avenues I would have gone to had mom not um, believed my story. But whatever is in the darkness, if you haven't shared it, it is still there. And there is no way that you can heal on your own. You must bring it out to the light for the healing to take place and uh, pull in those in your journey to walk alongside of you with that. So I just want to encourage you. It may be hard and it may be scary. Um, Like you heard in my part of the testimony, I don't even remember actually initially telling my mom, but I know I told her because she. I remember her coming back and asking questions. So um, I pray that God give you the grace to tell, number one. Number two, for me, I was saved at an early age. Um, between kindergarten and first grade. And so my refuge was God's Word and prayer. And so I had been saved about five years at the time that this happened. So I had um, a childlike but, but a good relationship with the Lord. And it was in this season that the Lord took me to own Psalms 27, 
as my go-to. And so this has been my lifelong chapter, but it started uh, in this season of my life. And so I would like to read this over you in case you um, haven't had ex- exposure to the Bible or you haven't experienced a healing uh, scripture of your own that maybe a part of this or all of this will touch you today. Psalms 27, an exuberant declaration of faith is what it reads in my current Bible. And it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, it is in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high up on a rock. And I just remember that visual of him having me held up above the circumstances that gave my heart great peace. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. Oh, hear, Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And I just remember that part, especially the Lord will take care of me, got in my heart deeply in this season that I trusted him to take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adverse adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I know that the Lord will bless you and keep you as you ponder on this scripture. And so that was second step, was God's time, God's word, and time with him. Number three, um, the third step for me was hearing Joyce Meyer's testimony of what had happened to her. Um, And if you don't know her testimony, she had many years of repeated abuse from her father. And so even in that, that to watch her and her ministry and how she walked out and was able to forgive her father 
for um, what seems so horrible. I, I was like, Lord, if she can do that, then help me to forgive my grandfather for that one-time trespass against me. And so um, so I just want if to guide you to her. She has a great testimony. If yours is more intense and more like hers, that would be a great resource for you. And so I got hope that if God could use Joyce Meyer and her story to help others like it was helping me, then maybe one day, somehow, my story could also help others. And the next step um, I want to credit in my healing um, was God blessing me with a husband that stayed faithful to me. And because, of course, when you enter marriage, then the intimacy and the and the bedchamber is a part of that. And so he was very gentle and gracious and kind with me through the process while um, the Lord healed me. And I know that God gave me uh, Scott because not every husband, not every man can understand or have the patience and grace to, to do that. So if yours isn't the case, pray for him and talk with him. And that's what helped us is as I would share with Scott what I was thinking had nothing to do with him, but the hurt inside of me, it helped him better relate to me in the process. So now I want to go forward to 40 years after the incident. Now I'm at age 51. And had you asked me if I was healed completely, I would have said absolutely. For the last 10, 15, possibly even 20 years, I was, I probably, yeah, it was probably more like 20 years that I felt like I was healed. God had restored. I was in a good marriage. But um, little did I know, God had one more step in my healing process. He revealed to me that I had a root of abandonment that needed to be removed. And as I was preparing even to share, as I was asking the Lord, He was showing me how I had forgotten in the story the the absence of my father uh, in this process. And like I said, I I was unaware of the abandonment issues in my that had been rooted in my soul, and so I believe I pressed all of that down together. So I think as you ladies that hear this, there will be things that come up, and they seem to not be connected, but just journal them, make note of them, and just ask the Lord to show you how they fit, because He's a God that never gives up, and He never quits. So I want to kind of share this story, though, because it was a very intense story for me. Um, The root of abandonment was being removed, and God had asked me um, a few months, even before we went to Dallas, he He asked me to let go of what I had so He could give me what He had for me. I thought I knew what it was, but I had no clue until that day. He said afterwards, he uh, he showed me how he took that root. I felt like I went under a physical heart surgery, and he actually 
went to deep places in me and pulled out that root and everything around it and set me free of that and and closed me back up with his healing and his touch that day. Because from that day, which has been in the last 12 months, I should even share that, that it's been recent, that my heart is lighter, that I have more confidence, and I'm even more hopeful than I was before. And those that have done life with me, they would have said that I was all those things beforehand. And so God's just a good God that way. He 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 never stops raising the bar on what He has for us as long as we allow Him to take all that's in us out. He will use it for good, what the enemy meant for harm. So lastly, I just want to, as I was preparing to share, um, my heart was, this isn't about me. It's about God's goodness, His restoration, and that you're not alone, that there's others out there. And even as I've been preparing to do this, I've had ladies um, open up to me about similar situations. And so I would like to, for you, if you own a Bible, if you have a Bible before you, um, go to John 4, and you will find the story of the woman at the well. This woman carried shame as, as I carried, as I believe every woman carries that uh, has had this happen to her. And there is that pain of rejection. And she was in need of a Savior. And so even, like in my story, I had asked Jesus into my heart, but I needed his salvation from the damage to my soul. So as I read through chapter 4, I would just like every time that I say the Samaritan woman, for you to put yourself in that place. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made the, and baptized more disciples than John, through Jesus, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go. Those were ordained steps for this day, I do believe. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being weary from his journeys, sat by the well. So he, he brought himself to the well beforehand. He was about it was about the sixth hour, and this was probably the hottest part of the day. So Jesus had set himself up here not to take advantage of her, not to do anything but to bring restoration. And she came, this story is about to take place, like I said, at the hottest part of the day. That's when no one else would have been there. All the other women would have been back in their homes and because carrying water, is a, it was a hard task. Um, when it's talking about the well, it's talking about a, a general place 
where all the community would come to get their water from and to transport it back to their homes or to their livestock. And so oftentimes women would go together and they would communicate and fellowship as they did their chores. But that's not the situation with the Samaritan woman. And I do believe but that it's because of her shame that she operated this way. Much as those of us that have been in this situation that have operated our lives, whether knowingly or unknowingly. So in, chap- in verse 7, it says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. See, that was like the Samaritans and the Jews were not to interact. And and I would um, believe that if you're listening to this and you're a woman that has had your purity taken away from you or been assaulted by someone, then the enemy wants you to think that you're less than. And that is the far from the truth. And there is is no no difference in the eyes of the Lord. There's not a perfect good God, and and we're um, damaged and someone to be discarded. That that God wants to meet you where you're at, just like He met the Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You know, when um, when the invasion in your body happens, it's almost like, for me, it was a part of me um, that felt like it died with it. Even though, like I said, with mine was a one-time thing, it doesn't matter if it happens once or multiple times. There's Your soul has still taken on that damage. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking here about the natural water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And I want to pause there and just... um, let that part set in. I actually, I want to even repeat it. But the water that I shall give him, give her, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So where the enemy has brought death in that action through that abuse, the Lord desires to bring everlasting life. If you've never asked him into your heart, to be your Lord and Savior, that is the first step. But like I said, there's many of us that have already been saved or were already saved when this happened. 
and and the enemy. There's that that um, spot that needs to be touched and healed. It's like having a dam, and there there's a part there that the living water, the love of God, cannot flow freely. And so the Lord is asking you today, will you let me break that dam down? And will you allow my love to flow, my um, life-giving blood of Jesus, (laughs) that to flow through you and to bring life where the enemy has, has had that attack and that death? So now we're in chat, uh, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So she said, Yes. When Jesus at, um, asked and offered, see, he didn't force it on her. He offered it, and she had the opportunity, and she said yes. And that's what we're wanting to share with you today, just the opportunity to say yes to what God wants to give you. And you may take it all in one day, and you may be like me, that it took multiple years to, to get that total flow back again. Wherever you are, there's no uh, condemnation of how slow or how quickly you receive. But our hope and our prayer is that you would trust the Lord that and trust a sister that I've been there. And it is good and God is gentle and He He desires for you to live fully again. In chap in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and Come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said. In other words, you've told the truth. I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And it's our heart's cry today that you learn the truth of God's love for you that never left you. He never forsook you. And He wants you to uh, abide with Him and worship with Him. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know this Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. So she she's hanging with him. She didn't just take her living water and run. She's sticking in there, and, and then it says, when he comes, he will tell us all things. So she had high hopes and high expectations of what would be coming along with many others. And I love this part. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am him. In other words, he's saying, 
I am Jesus Christ. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that you've been waiting on. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet not one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And that is stopping at verse 30. And uh, what I love about that story is she came in her brokenness, hiding from society, and Jesus met her there. And he offered to her that living water. He wanted her to have life springing up within her. And before their interaction was over, and he he let her know who he was, she then turned around and became the missionary that went back to the city that she had felt such shame and rejection from. And she brought them to the Christ, to the Messiah that she had just met and received a life from. So, Today, as we're getting ready to close out, I just want to speak to two different people here, two different places. Um, I want to pray with you if you have never asked the Lord to be your Lord and Savior, that He, um, real quickly, the story is, the Scripture says, God so loved the world that He sent His Son, Jesus, and God loved you. He would have sent Jesus had you been the only person there. And because um, Jesus said yes, that he would do what his father wanted him to do, and he died upon the cross, and in three days he rose again so that we could live again with the Lord. He took our sin. He took our shame. He took every iniquity. And for me, I feel like those that have walked through this transgression, there's iniquities that come along with that. And oftentimes there's sickness in bodies that come along with this. And the Lord wants to heal you of all of that. But one of the major steps of receiving and walking in that blessing is asking Jesus in. And so I would love to lead you in that prayer. If your heart says, yes, I'm ready to receive of that. So let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for the women listening to this that have not yet called on you. They have not yet accepted the call to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. So Father, I just thank you now as we pray together. If you ladies that are ready would repeat after me, Dear Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I cannot fix it. But I do believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I can't do enough and I can't fix enough. But it is by faith 
I want to be saved. I give you my life, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And then the second group that I want to talk to is the group that I fell in, those that are saved. And um, you've allowed God to do some healing, but there needs to be a deeper work, a deeper healing in your mind, in your thoughts, your emotions, in your will. He wants you to be whole, not just in our bodies, but He wants your your heart to be made whole. We are a three-part being. We, we have a flesh, and that is what was taken advantage of, is our body. But we have a spirit man, and that is when you are saved, that is what is made right. It's perfect from the time that you say, Yes, Lord, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. That part's perfect. And then we have what we call the soul. That is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And that's the heart part. Oftentimes you'll hear people talk about the heart. And that's what they're talking about. And that's the part that is damaged in this process. And it even in other parts of the Word, it talk, it encourages us to renew our mind daily. And so it's not just a one-time fix. So I want to pray for those um, places in your heart, in your soul, that have been damaged as mine were, that are causing you to live below the blessing that God intended for you to live, that maybe you're bound in fear, shame, embarrassment. Maybe you... um, you have that feeling of why am I even here? So we want to, I want to pray over that. And I feel like as I pray that I am believing for God to restore and make those broken hearts whole again. So Father, we just pray over those ladies that have asked you to be their Lord and Savior. We pray that You would take their broken heart, their wounded emotions, their thoughts that are so out of control, and their identity that isn't true, that you can take all of these things and you can make them new. I ask you to bless them and keep them, that your peace would reside heavily upon them in this moment, no matter where they're listening. That you would let them feel your love today, that unconditional love, that they don't have to do anything to earn it, and that you would never take it away. I thank you that it's that perfect love that cast out the fear. I ask, Lord, that you would stir up joy within them to give them the strength to renew their mind every day, to lay their emotions at your feet, to say, these are broken. I don't know what to do with them. Lord, help me. 
to not be controlled by my emotions anymore, but help me to get my emotions lined up with the truth that's in your word. Give me the grace to release the hurt. Give me the grace to forgive those that uh, that came against me. Those that actually did the act of the abuse or even those that I've shared with that didn't believe me or they mocked me or said other things to me, Lord, I pray that each one of these ladies that's listening, your grace for forgiveness to flow through them and be given to those that harm them. Because, Lord, my friend, the lady that is hearing this, is the one that is bound. When we walk in unforgiveness, we are the prisoner. And I want these ladies set free today. I thank you, Father God, for those that when they look in the mirror, they wonder, what what good could I be to this world? Let them hear you guide and direct them of what is their purpose, what was your plan for them, because what happened to them was not from you. Only good comes from you, and we thank you for that, Lord. So I just seal this time with you, and I seal these prayers over these ladies, and we thank you for touching them and meeting them where they're at, that you've made your face to shine upon them, and we pray that you give them peace, and they have better days ahead of them than they have behind them. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, thank you for joining us in this uh, special series concerning domestic uh, violence and domestic violence awareness. If you are in an abusive situation, we want to, at this time, give you some contact information um, that you can access immediately. So if you are in the Texoma area with us, we have a crisis control center that serves Bryan, Atoka, Marshall, and Johnston counties. Their emergency hotline number is 580-924-3030. That's 580-924-3030. There is a statewide hotline that is a 24-hour safe line, and that phone number is 1-800-522-7233. And um, at that phone number, they'll be able to provide assistance with safety planning, crisis intervention, emergency shelter and advocacy to victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking. Um, There's a national domestic violence hotline, 1-800-799-7233. There's also a national teen dating abuse helpline, uh, 1-866-331-9474. And I would would say also, um, if you are are on the other of, on the other side, not in an emergent situation, but looking for a next step of, of recovery um, within the faith community, even perhaps to visit celebraterecovery.com. Um, they they walk people through many things and you could find a local chapter in your area. Um, and, and that may be a good place to start with engaging in community that's confidential. 
that that is safe. But again, if you are in the Texoma area with us on the Oklahoma side of the Red River, you can contact 580-924-3030. And that is for our local crisis center. Um, if we can be praying for you, uh, please let us know at entourageministries.com. Thank you for your time. May you be blessed. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 